Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Declan Shalvey. Declan is a comic book artist and a writer. He's the co-creator of Injection and Savage Town for Image Comics. His other projects include Moon Knight, Deadpool, and All-Star Batman with writer Scott Snyder. More recently, he also wrote and drew the Nick Fury post-prologue serial for Marvel Comics and also Return of Wolverine. He also hosts his own podcast called Tape Deck. Declan, what's going on, man? It's a large body of work. Yeah, I'm very tired. Tell us, where are you in the world right now? Location-wise, I'm from Ireland. And yeah, so I live and work in Dublin. And you've always lived in Dublin? I've been around. I lived in Scotland for a couple of years. I was in New York for a good few months. But Dublin for the last, like, the last seven or eight years, pretty much, I kind of, I did a lot of kind of moving around. And after a while, I'm like, this sucks. I want to just stay in one place for a while. (laughs) As a writer and an artist of comic books, tell us in 2019, how important does location play into it? Do we live in a world where you can easily email and work together and collaborate with people anywhere? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I would say I'm of the generation that really got the most out of the internet. Like, um, there's like there's a lot more Irish creators in the last few years. I think what really opened the doors for us is like having, you know, we didn't have an uh, comics industry. The UK had 2000 AD and um, the Beano and stuff, whereas we didn't have anything. So the internet just opened up load, loads and loads of doors. And now pretty much, I mean, I don't know where you guys are on the East Coast, are you? New York City. So there you go. Like, I'm talking to somebody in New York right now, as easy as anything. It's... um. It's it just opened up the doors for sure. I think I was talking to a writer, a friend of mine, who worked at DC Comics, and you know, it, it sounded like things get very political when you live in LA. You know, and if you're in the business, if you're in screenwriting, and um, you can be too accessible, and it becomes very like I don't know, it seems like it becomes a really like ugly environment. Whereas living in Ireland, you're kind of like don't have to worry about that stuff. And I'll, I'll go to I'll go to America a few times whenever you know the I feel like it's a good time to go or. Was a good opportunity, but um, it is kind of nice to be away from it all and also be a few hours ahead. That really helps the deadlines. Being an artist and a writer of comic books, as far as self-identification, when you look in the mirror, is there one that you lean towards more? I know you've drawn a ton and obviously you've written as well. What do you kind of lean towards? I mean, I would think artist. I mean, it's what I've done since I can I could hold a pencil. Um, it's what I feel m- most comfortable doing. Um, I can just switch it on and just start drawing, no problem. Um, writing is something that I kind of started doing the last few years, which was kind of a, I would say, you know, I would have a big hobby in learning about writing. So the nice thing about drawing comics is that while you're working, you can have a lot of input. You know, like if you're writing, it's literally all coming out of your head. So, you just, you know, you can, you know, it's very hard to have any kind of interruptions or you know, music playing or anything like that. Whereas when you're drawing, I can listen to documentaries, I can listen to like, you know, podcasts, political discussions, debates, you can have a lot of input. So I used to listen to a lot of writers' commentaries on DVDs, a lot of like screenwriter discussions. So the writing was kind of like a hobby I had until I kind of, I worked up the the nerve to actually do it. So I kind of 
to me, writing is another storytelling challenge on top of what I'm already used to, which is drawing. And I haven't written a lot of stuff. So, I mean, my confidence isn't where it would be art-wise. I'm, I'm very, very confident as an artist, as much as any artist can be, because they're always going to always gonna pick themselves apart. But um, I certainly built myself to a level where I know where I am, and I have a level of confidence. Whereas writing, it's a lot more difficult. It takes a lot more work and brain power. And um, I'd be more, I think, I think I would take criticism of my writing more personally than of my art, weirdly, even though I spend technically way more time drawing something. And is it as common for writers who have been writing for a long time to start drawing and kind of switch over that way? I think that has happened zero times. (laughs) I'm trying to think. I know it's not the same thing. I know Cliff Chang was an editor at DC Comics before he started drawing, but it's not that common. I can't think of a single example of a writer who started drawing. Obviously, there are many people involved in a comic. There's letters and there's colorists as well, in addition to, you know, those who draw and write. For you, who can do both, have you planned to just go creator-owned and create all your own comics by yourself without the help of anyone else? Yeah, um, yeah um, but like I have a, I'm, I'm doing this series with Warren Ellis called um, Injection, and to, I wouldn't, I would finish that project before I write and draw something else. That's, to be honest, that's kind of what I plan to do. When Injection gotcha. is finished, my plan is to kind of switch over to just write and draw because I don't need anybody else. And it's certainly another challenge. It's another way of pushing myself more as a, as a storyteller. I like writing for other people, and I like drawing for other people. And I've only written and drawn some shorts, it's like the serial, the Nick Fury serial, and the Venom short story. The stuff I've written and drawn is actually quite short. So I'm definitely planning to build up to something much bigger in scope that I write and draw. But, I mean, that's a big commitment, and I, I would want to make good on injection before I do that, effectively. Let's start talking about your career and how you got into it. You said you've always been drawing, but you haven't always been in the comic book world. So how did that kind of transition happen? How did you go from being somebody who's drawing to getting your foot in that door and start working for some pretty big companies? I mean, it's a long, boring story. (laughs) I mean, effectively, you know, growing up, I'm from the west of Ireland, which is where all the cows and, you know, fields are not exactly prime comic industry location. So I didn't really know how to make it. I, I always knew I wanted to do comics, but I didn't know how I could do it. But I think um, I went to art college and I got a degree in fine art and I just did what was, was around. And then I started going to comic conventions in the UK, meeting other, you know, meeting other novice artists, but meeting other professionals, meeting writers, meeting artists, and um, slowly kind of getting to know the scene there in the UK. Then I managed to get some small press jobs and, you know, Effectively, one job works as a portfolio for the next job and the next job to the point where I got to work on uh, 20 Days Later for Boom Studios. That was my first American published work. And in about a year's time, I got a a chance to fill in at Marvel for a book called uh, Thunderbolts. And ever since I came, whatever happened, they just kept hiring me. So I just kept going there, you know. Um, But a lot of it was like going to conventions, meeting people trying to do good work, putting good stuff online, um, participating in sketch blogs. You know, Twitter was, I thought Twitter was a big part of it because that was kind of the early days of Twitter where everybody was nice. I don't know if you remember that. But um, it was just a lot of hustle on top of what we would hope is good work, you know, and trying to become a better artist the whole time. So we normally, in our episodes, frame around the process of whether it's a writer, a screenwriter, whether it's writing a screenplay, in this case, it would be great to talk about the process of writing a comic book, especially from the perspective 
of both a comic book writer, but also an artist. Are you cool to kind of walk sure. through that process with us? Yeah, no problem, man. Awesome. So let's talk, I guess, from the inception of where ideas come from. I guess we could use maybe Injection as an example. Using that book as an example, you are the creator of Injection as well. Yeah, well, okay. so effectively how that came about was Warren and I were doing a book at Marvel called Moon Knight, and that ended. And I was considering a move to create our own comics. And Warren said, well, how about you let me write something for you? We take it to Image Comics, which, of course, once I picked my jaw off the floor, <laughs> I, I begrudgingly accepted his offer. But the nice thing about Injection it isn't that it was something where he said, I have an idea for something. Do you want to draw it? Because that happens a lot in comics. What it was is, let's make something. So the wow. first process of it was me and him working together. So that was where the idea started at the beginning. So from there, he, uh, Warren asked me to write like a shopping list, as he called it, which was just write down what I was interested in, what books I was reading, what comics I was reading, what films I liked, just to get a sense of like my, you know, what I was into. And when I sent him that, he was like, okay, let me think on this for a while. So he did, and he came back with this rough idea for what the rough concept was, but a specific idea for what the, the format or the structure of the story was. Um, so I didn't create the idea as such, but... I do know that the idea came from specifically what I was into, if that makes sense. And then can you just define for us what it means to be a creator? What distinguishes being a creator of a comic book than, say, maybe being just an artist on a, on a book? What gives you that creator credit? Well, everyone who works in comics is a creator, you know, whether you're artist, writer, letterer, or whatnot. That's, that's the, dis you know, you, there's different disciplines, but everyone's a creator. Difference between like someone who created a comic is literally that you made it from scratch. So I am not the creator of Daredevil. Even if I work on Daredevil for 10 years, which I haven't done, but if I did, that doesn't make me the creator of Daredevil. Some of those creators literally who took the idea and fashioned it into something that you read, you know, and it can be, it can be the writer who maybe had the idea in the first place. I mean, sometimes these conversations get really kind of complicated because there's people who think that if you have the idea, that makes you the capital C creator of the work, which I don't agree with. There's a lot of wannabe writers out there who have some idea that they've got, they think they've got this genius idea, and if they just get somebody to draw it, then they'll be acclaimed, they'll be considered a genius. Well, if that's the case, draw it yourself. Uh, best of luck with that, because there's a big difference between a script and a finished comic, and how a story is fashioned in the visuals as huge, huge impacts. Even even me working as a writer, I find that seeing pages coming in changes how I'm writing the story or changes, sometimes gives me more ideas or gives me an idea to, to switch something up. It's a collaborative effort. So it's a problem with like a lot of comic book writers are considered authors and sometimes artists are not. Well, artists are not literally writing the story. They are creating and telling the story. And if you substitute a different artist, it wouldn't be the same story. And those are difficult things to kind of explain to an audience that wouldn't be familiar with comics because it's a fairly writer-driven, for a visual medium, it's fairly writer-driven. And a lot of credit tends to go to writers that say, so for some brilliant sequences or some character moments or for some writing sometimes, the credit will go, it'll be assumed that the writer was the one who came up with it. In a lot of cases, it was the artist. So the best thing to do is have like a symbiotic relationship, as, much, as symbiotic as you can between writer, writer and artist. What's the benefit of being a creator as opposed to working with an established IP? Where obviously, you can kind of create whatever you want, but what are the other benefits yeah. that come from that? Well, I mean, you know, if, uh, um, if injection is made into a film, then I'll make money from that. I'll benefit from that. 
Um, I've control over these things. If um, you get, essentially, you get to say, I can say how long the pages are. I can get to say if I want this one to be upside down. I can have full control over the production design, the advertising. The It's hugely, working in the work for hire system like I did at Marvel for years, you don't get that much control over things. Sometimes you do. It depends on who you're working with. It could be a really good editor. But once you get to like literally create something from scratch, you decide the paper stock, you decide the format, how many pages is it going to be? Is it going to be in color? Is it going to be in black and white? Is it going to, what's, you know, are you going to design the cover? Are you going to let somebody else do it? Are you going to, you're literally making something from scratch. So the benefits are mainly, the, I would say, the satisfaction of making something yourself and fully owning it. And if, if, if it ever gets into media or something, like if, if somebody makes a film or a video game, you directly benefit from that. If I make a character, you know, if I'm writing something at Marvel and I create a character, effectively, that's not my character. I may have created it, but Marvel or DC, who or the company is, they own that character. And you might get like props or you might get a credit for it, but you don't, you'll never own it. And especially in like how media is playing today, it really, really matters to, to own your own idea, you know? In that early, early stage in which both of you together kind of created that comic, worked on that idea, at what point, and what did that early initial phase look like before you actually pitched that? Did they know that you guys were doing that? Did you work on that prior to um, that? What did it, it was look like? It's different. I've had ex- different experiences because basically Warren just told Image that we were going to do a book and Image said, okay. Wow. So that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty cool. But it's Warren Ellis, you know, like they're going to, if Warren Ellis has a book he wants to do, Image are going to go, cool. It was a very different process for, say, Savage Town, because I pitched that as a writer, not an artist, and I didn't draw any of the book, and I was known primarily as, as an artist. So I have a good relationship with Image, and uh, Eric Stevenson, the publisher at Image, but at the same time, I didn't want to take the piss and assume that like, I could just get a book approved, because I am not Warren Ellis, you know? Um, so I wrote up a pitch script, and I paid an artist to... I wanted to work with a specific artist. It was Phil Barrett. We made a pitch. We made some pitch pages. Uh, had them colored, lettered. I wrote a pitch doc, sent it to Image. It got accepted. And then we started making the book from there. So that's different because it was it was me who incepted the project, effectively. Warren is the one who created the project that became Injection, if you know what I mean, because he asked me. Whereas with Savage Town, it was the other experience where I asked somebody else. <laughs> so in the case of Injection, Warren says, we're going to do it. They say yes. What's the homework? What are the next steps that the two of you are going to first sit down and kind of start to work on? Well, I mean, Warren is a very visual thinker anyway, so he seems to have a very good idea of what he's looking for. And because we had worked on Moon Knight at Marvel, we already had a good back and forth. Um, I'm not really one for trying to like work in ideas if it's not if it's not necessary. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say to Warren Ellis, you know what, this could be X, Y, and Z. I kind of tend to follow Warren's lead in general. It started. He had the rough concept of what injection was, and he ran it all by me. So, what do you think? I'm like, this sounds class. It's hard yeah. to be a critic when, when Warren Ellis is asking right. what you think of, of his stuff. Like, it's just the answer is like, it's great. <laughs> but um, there was some things like I think I, I asked for an Irish character because I this is the first thing I ever got to like create. So I asked, could there be an Irish character? Now I didn't expect him to set it in Ireland in some in some cases. That was cool. But I, once. I think a lot of it was down to, we, I think we started with characters. He had rough ideas for characters. I'd send him a pass. We'd talk about it a little bit, and I'd come back with a second pass, pretty much. And a lot of it was like researching stuff, like watching, watching things or, or, or making folders for reference, stuff they had mentioned. 
but like I would say I think anybody who's who's created a comic will agree with me in that it takes it takes like roughly a month, a month and a half to draw a comic. But if it's the first issue of a book, it can take three times as long because you're you're getting a feel for the characters. Like it's not like it's Daredevil where you know what he looks like or it's Spider-Man. You're literally drawing these characters on a page and they didn't exist before. And so a lot of it's trying to get a feel for the story and a feel for the characters before you before you really kind of get everything down on the page. And how do you choose and at what point, whether it's a standalone series or occurring graphic novel, all these decisions you have to make, how do you choose? Does Image know that going into it? Yeah, Image would know. I think in the case of Injection, well, Warren asked what I wanted to do, and I told him I wanted to do a longer series because um, everything I'd been doing at Marvel was like five or six issues, maybe three to six, all in, and would wrap up the storyline. Whereas, you know, if I was going to get to do a book with Warren, I'm going to milk the shit out of it. <laughs> so I, I, I said I wanted a longer, like nothing crazy long, like nothing was going to take seven years, but um, something that would be substantial, you know, like a chunk of story. So he had a specific idea of doing it as five uh, graphic novels, effectively. And we could have done it as graphic novels, but, you know, essentially, there could be financial reasons. Um, a monthly book by me and Warren will sell on the stands. Like just at the end of the day, that's just that'll. It's not going to be a huge blockbuster every month, but like it'll sell enough to justify its existence. And then, then we collect them as graphic novels, and that's great. Other other things may not be as marketable. So, for example, Savage Town, I had originally pitched that as a roughly twenty issue ongoing book, but when I when I um, sent the pitch to Image, they suggested maybe doing it as a graphic novel, and um, because the artist was Phil's stuff is a little indie-ish. Like, for lack of a better term, it's like, um, it's kind of got a classical graphic novel type look, effectively, kind of Daniel Clousey looking. So their argument was this kind of look, this would look better as a graphic novel than, say, trying to sell a graphic novel type format to a monthly audience, which I hadn't expected, but I thought it was actually a very fair point. So I changed the structure of what I was doing with the book to make it work as a graphic novel. But I actually think it was the better call because... Some books will work better in graphic novel format because you've got a different audience who are reading graphic novels. Monthly comic book readers are slightly different. Their tastes can be a lot more particular. So I think, I think we would have had trouble making that work as a single-issue book. But, uh, but it worked great as a graphic novel. I, it, it, depends on, it depends on the projects and the creators involved, really. So you guys are going back and forth. You're working on the ideas. When do you start first working on actual art, concepts, sketches, these kind of things? And how does that influence the story that maybe Warren comes up with? Well, I mean, I can't speak for Warren because he doesn't tell me. <laughs> when we did, we had like two or three issues in the can and we were, we were, um, we were launching the book and he came over to Dublin to, to launch it. And um, I said like, because I knew the overall story of the first the first, um, the first arc, and I said, um, "Oh, like, uh, you know, is there a reason you're not telling me anything beyond the scripts I get?" And, he's, and he, he told me that he wants me to be the first audience, which I can appreciate. I literally have no idea what, what happens in, is, is going to happen in injection. You know? Oh wow! Like, I provided ingredients, and he's making the cake, and you know, I'm the one, I guess, putting it in the oven. But I don't know what's in the cake as such, so it's not finished until I. I have my goal, my, my process um, follows through, but it's always interesting to see it come to, together, you know. Um, but that's not every that's not every relationship. I know some writers, artists that are very back and forth. I know some that like, you know, are absolutely in each other's pockets at the same time. But I think Warren, like, 
mean, it's different. Like, I can't really argue with it because Warren is such a good visual thinker that his ideas are so good. So I just run with them. Sometimes I th- I have, I'll have an idea where I think something will work better. Um, but I'll always run it by him. And he, I don't think there's one time where he said no. Um, so for me, because I take scripts very seriously, like just because I write now doesn't mean I'm going to be going, well, your problem with your script, Warren, is um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the script because I know he's worked really hard on it, and I'm going to do my best job to to make it work visually. Um, that's my job there. In the same way, if I'm writing, it's not my job to tell somebody how to draw something either, you know? Writers have different styles. Warren obviously has his own style, and obviously you've worked with other writers. How does a writer's style influence your art from when you get that script and you start reading it? What helps? What doesn't help? I think... Um, I've worked with a good few writer artists, um, like um, Jeff Parker and Brian Wood, and I will say that I quite like how well they've all been good. I think I really liked Brian Wood's scripts in that they were very economical. And I think Warren's scripts are similar in that regard. When I'm reading the scripts, visuals come to me quite easily, and with some writers, visuals don't come that easy. What you're doing is you're trying to fit. You know, there's five characters, and three of them are talking in every panel, and you're trying to you're literally just trying to make it work from a legible point of view. Whereas if there's like there's a problem solving element to taking a script and making it work visually, like it's it's a it's a puzzle you've got to figure out. I find when I'm working with Warren is that he writes in a way where it's paced in a very specific way that suits how I like to pay stories. Um he writes in a fairly economical way in what in where if there needs to be information, he'll provide it, and if there doesn't, he leaves it open. And as an artist, that's very freeing because I will absolutely take on board what he says. And like, if he asks for something, he was very clear that if he had something specific in mind, he'd like me to do that. Otherwise, he really he's happy for me to just do what I want. So there's a there's a freedom in his scripts, but also I can tell a consideration for the visual language, as it were. So he make I feel like he's done some of the thinking that makes my job a little bit easier. But he also asks for a lot of stuff that is very difficult. So it kind of balances out some ways, you know. Some things are sometimes it, I'm right. I'm drawing an issue that Warren wrote, and I, I feels like he's, he's trying to kill me. In our interviews before, we've been, it sounds like the Marvel method scripts are a little less hard to come by. Have you worked with Marvel method scripts? And if so, what are the pros and the cons? I haven't, but I'm actually starting to starting something with an artist who. So it's weird, like Savage Town, Phil is more of a kind of a, of a, of a cartoonist than I am. And he, he lays his panels out in a much more, I don't think the word to describe it, like a very functional way. Whereas I'm a little bit more stylized in kind of how I do things. But I would write, I would write to his storytelling beats as best I could. I would pace it in the way that I wanted to paste, but try to write to beats that I, I knew he would interpret. And I wrote a book, I wrote a, a miniseries called uh, Deadpool vs. Old Man Logan with Mike Henderson, who drew it. That, I think me and him had a very similar sense of storytelling. So I think I very much, the way I liked to write very much suited the way he liked to draw. Uh, and I'm doing something like that sim- similarly now. So those are really good experiences because I can picture what it's going to look like. And it kind of comes out 50-50. Sometimes it looks exactly what I was thinking, which is amazing. And other times it's very different, and that's also really interesting. So, but I'm used to controlling the pacing effectively. I like that. With the thing I'm starting at the moment, it's with an artist who is very visually he he very much 
is a lot more experimental in, in his storytelling. And I feel if I try and deliberately pace it panel by panel, he's only going to just do something completely different. So I'll be wasting my time if I try to deliberately pace the panel rhythm. So what I'm going to try to do now, which is more Marvel method, which is effectively write the dialogue and maybe pace, you know, how many pages a scene is going to be. Um, but that's really weird for me because I, 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 I'm just really, really used to being in, in the, in the weeds when it comes to pacing. So I, I'm, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm a little kind of, um, uh, not frustrated. I get intimidated. I guess I'm intimidated because I've seen some Marvel methods. It happens with, with a, actually happens for, with a few books. And I would, on some of those projects, I think that the writer's taking the piss because the artist is putting so much storytelling work into, into a project and not getting half the credit. More open Marvel scripts, it requires more of the artist. Some artists very much want that, which is great if they want it. But I find that when they'll do all this work, that just gets credited to somebody else. I personally like a more clear division of labor. And yeah, I'm very curious how this mar- this kind of mar- more Marvel style is going to go. Um, I think it's better for the project because I'll only get frustrated if you know this artist changes things. But this artist wants to experiment, so I think I feel it's my job to step back a bit and give him the freedom to just go nuts. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. When you work on a non-Marvel style script, as an artist, can you describe what the creative freedoms allowed to you from a storytelling perspective? For instance, obviously, how you choose to lay out the panels, that kind of thing dictates pacing and obviously has an effect on the story. So how much control do artists have in the storytelling process? I mean... Pretty much, they have free reins to do what they like in the context of a page. Um, I don't think I've ever drawn a page and an artist have a problem with it. Um, by the time someone's hired as an artist, like an editor is going to have a good sense of their if they can tell a story. I mean, ultimately, that's the thing. Some artists are very different. Some, you know, want to totally reinterpret a script, which I think is probably taking a piss. But some want a bit of leeway in between. As long as everybody's on board, 
I, th- I think that's fine. But when you're when you're rising up through the ranks, effectively though, like from my perspective, is just do what you're told. Like if it says something in a script, just do what it says in a script. And it would only be like if you're in the industry a while, or you've got better sense of your own storytelling. You know, you're going to learn more about storytelling the more stories that you work on, and you'll develop a better sense of like what works for you and what doesn't work for you. But as regards, I mean, if the writer's done his job, his or her job they're going to have constructed a page in a way that leaves enough freedom for an artist to have their own take. So maybe they want to do they want to do widescreen panels or they want to use a grid. There's different techniques you can use. Whatever serves the story is the best, but it's you know, I think one I think one time I got a script that specifically told me where the panels are supposed to go. And I took a Sharpie and I blacked those directions out. <laughs> and because, because this this person in question was a novelist, not a, not a not a, somebody who's written comics, and it's a ve- it's a different visual language. I once I once worked with Scott Adsit, who um I know he's a, an actor um writer. He was on Thirty Rock, but um he wrote this like um, humor strip for Marvel, and I drew I drew it. It was three pages, and it was really difficult because. And it's it's like not a slight against Scott at all, like but uh, but you know he he primarily writes for a screen for for film and TV, and there was so much in the script it wasn't physically possible to draw it all. So it's just too many visual gags within visual gags all packed into one page, and I had to kind of write him and go like I'm really sorry, but I actually have to cut some of this stuff out in order for some of it to work. And he was totally cool with it, but that just goes to show you how like you know. Writing from one medium into another is is difficult. They, they, they both have their own language, and um, I guess the writer who was the, the novelist felt that like it was his maybe he felt it was his job to tell me exactly where stuff was to, to was supposed to go. But as an artist, my first instinct is fuck off. Like you know, don't tell me how to draw it. Um, even and, and again, he may not have even meant it that way at all. It's just those type of directions, those very specific. Like we put it this way: you shouldn't be instructing me how to draw the page. You should be telling me what happens in the page and I'll figure out the best way to tell a story. But if you're instructing me, you know, in this case, I know more about what I'm doing than you do. So, you know, I can figure out how to how to solve, like I was saying before, that 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 visual puzzle. I can solve that. And you trying to solve it for me is only just going to get in the way. You know, is there ever a case in which the artist early on overstep in the opposite way and add in story right on the opposite side of things? I think my take on it personally is like the script is practically a Bible and like take it seriously. You know, if you're going to stray for, from any reason you need to have, like you need to have a good reason to justify it. That stops you from just, you know, like I know, I know some writers who told me they've gotten scripts, scripts back, sorry, stories back and it's nothing like what they wrote. You know, there's something going wrong there. if, If that's happening, I would never do that. If, if I change something, it's never a story point. It's generally just the telling of the story. It might be the case where, which happens a lot in comic scripts, is there's three characters, character A, B, and C. Character A talks first, then character B talks second, and character C talks uh, last because you read left to right. You go to panel two, character B talks, then character C talks. That's fine. You go to the third panel, character C talks, then character A talks, and character B talks. That screws everything up because, you know, you need to be placing the characters in a way in which they read left to right. And, you, you know, you don't want speech bubbles crossing over each other. And so sometimes writers forget that. And 
in order for it to be readable, I need to fix that. So I might add a panel where character B says a thing, so then when I cut to the next panel, it can be character A and C again. Know what I mean? As a writer and an artist, when you are writing now, you had just expressed how you feel when, let's say, a writer gives you too much direction, per se, on the drawing side of things. When you're writing, do you ever feel, because you're experienced as an artist, that maybe you should give more direction? Or is it more just of you're better at that visual language? What I hope is that I'm better at that visual language. Um, I know some some artists who work with writer artists say that they like working with them because of that. That it's it's you know it's it's like it's um it's like the visuals are already kind of programmed within the script. My worry is I I don't want to become an art director writer. You know I don't want to do what that guy did that right. I got annoyed about. <laughs> right, exactly. But like I do have a fairly clear, like I guess it depends on the story. Like um like the thing I'm doing working on right now. I feel like I could probably draw it compositionally. Uh, I know what I'm thinking of, but the artist and me are actually very in sync. So it's kind of like getting getting somebody. I get to see what I was thinking of, but I didn't have to do all the hard work it took to <laughs> to get there. But I I definitely try leave some. Vis- I'll definitely suggest some visual things. Like I think um, there's a scene I just wrote where I said, um, um, you know, this character is really upset. Maybe there's a lot, a lot of black negative space around him too suggest how kind of cold and lonely he is now that's a suggestion if the artist doesn't want to do that it's fine you know i'll throw out ideas but you know that's how i see them there's there's suggestions on my part i know what it's like to be in front of a script and a, and a blank page and trying to make things work just because i thought it doesn't necessarily mean that it will work i think it's more likely that it will work because i i know what works on a page you know if i if i think i can if I think I can solve this problem, I assume that the person working can solve it too. But if they solve it differently, I don't, I don't get to complain. Is, is kind of how I see it. Because also sometimes what they'll come back with is actually a lot more interesting than what I thought. You know, I might have a very specific idea and it comes back very different. I can do two things. I can be like, that's not what I thought. <laughs> or I can, and, and it's definitely something I learned like by work, you know, as an artist working with a colorist, learning to take other people's ideas and uh, then and taking credit for them is great. Um, but also, if someone's got a good idea, just just take it. You know, just because it's not your idea doesn't mean that that yours was better. I think that's a good lesson for people to learn. Like just because just because you have an idea doesn't mean it's better than somebody else's idea. You just mentioned colorists. Two questions here. At what point does the colorist and the letterer get involved when you're not also the colorist and the letterer? And do you ever do the coloring and the lettering? Well, to answer your first question, it kind of depends. I mean. Generally, at Marvel or DC, the colorist will be decided well after the process. Well, after, well after, like maybe the maybe while the artist is drawing the first issue, it's it can it can be it can be a very secondary thing. Um, personally, I think like a great colorist, a great colorist adds so much to a book that I very much will insist on knowing who the colorist is in as early as the process as possible. Lock down the best possible person I could. I worked primarily with Jordi Belair on, on books like Injection and Moon Knight. We used to share a studio, so Moon Knight, even though it was a work for hire for Marvel, but working with Warren, who who maintained a lot of control over the project, like Marvel kind of, they kind of let us off to do that book, which was great because being finally being able to like create the look of a book and create the like the language of the book was something I really wanted to do. And Warren, because Warren is Warren, he was able to like give us that freedom. And I had a lot of color ideas, but not the, not the, the, I didn't have the facilities to be able to implement them. 
Whereas um, Jordi is a fantastic colorist, and like we got, to, we talked a lot about color and how to use color. And the injection is similar because we would talk a lot about like what I was going for. And but I think a lot of injection is is basically a lot of very good ideas from Jordi. I kind of I think in black and white a lot, and it's very rare I'm going to have like a, a a very strong idea for for colors. And um, generally, it's an overall approach I'll be thinking of, or now and then something specific, but. I would have that conversation with with Jordy, and she would come back with other ideas, and we'd we'd figure it out. I'm working with a new colorist at the moment, so that's that's it's it's like trying to learn how to work with each other is is always a little bit awkward at first, but once it's good, it's great, and it's like it's like if you were a filmmaker, and um, it's the difference between getting like a good cinematographer or getting Roger Deakins, you know, like it's mo- it's more than just the colors; they're going to add. They're going to add atmosphere. They're going to add like story moments. They're going to add character beats. They're going to do a lot more subtle storytelling with your work if they're a good colorist. And that really, really, you know, really bigs up the project. Like I, I love working with Warren, and Warren makes me do some of my best stuff. But I also think Jordy made my best stuff even better than say, you know, insert random colors. Tell us about the editor's notes that you receive. We've talked on the podcast about the editor's notes regarding the writing side, but did the editors ever say, maybe not this type of panel or change this art? What do the notes um, look like on that side? It depends. Like, I mean, uh, sorry, actually, I, I didn't answer your second question. Last oh, time yeah, was, yeah. Do I color myself? Yes. I generally don't, but I, in the last year, I've been coloring my own cover work, which has been similar to, like I said, with writing was a way of stepping up as a storyteller. I think coloring is the same. So I'm, I'm trying to step up on that front, too. I haven't actually colored a story. Actually, that's not true. I just did a one-page story for Marvel that I, I wrote, drew, and colored, and that was great. But while I can color my work, being a colorist of a book is a very different discipline, and um, it would be a lot of work, and I, I don't know if I want to do it. I have lettered my own work before. I really fucking hated it. <laughs> um, lettering is awful. I hate, 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 hate lettering. But the exercise did make me better storyteller i think because it made me a lot more considerate about where panel board where where speech bubbles have to go and when i'm laying out stories like with injection or moon Knight or anything like that i always work my story storytelling around the dialogue rather than treat treat it as be something that's just kind of like thrown in later but sorry to your what you just asked which was oh editors but well, we don't have an editor on injection so we just do that ourselves because it's, it's creator owned so you know i'm the editor warren's the editor effectively we hire a project manager to kind of keep things on, like, you know, let us know where the deadlines are. Because it is one thing, I think a lot of people get really disgruntled about editors, depending on what relationship you have with them. Some are great, some are terrible. Um, I've had, I would say, 90% great interactions with editors and 10% really crummy ones. Um, but, say, there's a project I'm doing now, and I'll hand in layouts, and I'll get some notes back from the editors. And when I read the notes, my first instinct is like, Ah, fuck off! You know, uh, actually, no, that's a good one. <laughs> like, I kind of once I get off my own um, high horse a little, I'll, I'll be like, actually, that that's that's a good note because I don't mind notes if they're good. Some editors probably feel like they have to make notes, so make right. really annoying ones that don't, don't that make no sense. But as regards, um, I actually like working with editor, and even my create the creator stuff that I'm doing myself, I've hired an editor because I like having someone to bounce stuff off of. Um, and I like have. I think it's always good to have a third eye looking over over things, you know, because you can always miss stuff. You can always can always be a mistake. And the nice thing, uh, so, so interestingly, when I was doing 
Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, I was working with an editor, um, Heather Antos, and she she was a great help because, you know, I hadn't written the whole miniseries before. And she had some notes that some I would disagree with, but, you know, at the end of the day, these aren't my characters, so I'll work with the notes. And, you know, and unless I really strongly disagreed, I thought we'd have a conversation about it. But it was a really good working experience. I really enjoyed it. So much so that I actually, she's not a Marvel anymore, so I hire, I've hired her to edit my creator own work. Um, the difference being there is she will give me notes, but the power balance is different because now I'm the boss. So <laughs> I get to say, I get to say no. You know, I disagree, but I still think it's good to get the notes, if that makes sense. You know, like if I do something that she might think is is, is a bit weird, it makes it makes means I have to actually really think about what I'm doing is like, am I doing this deliberately or did I make a mistake or X, Y and Z? And if it gets you to question your decisions and make sure that you're you're validating them in your head, that's a good thing. So um, I like that because I like I, I appreciate getting the notes. And I still have the, I can still decide to ignore them if I, if I want to. And when do you know uh, when a comic is completed? Obviously, if there's a single comic, you know when you finish drawing it. But when there's multiples, obviously, that's kind of extended process. Uh, I mean, the process is just so oiled in at this stage, you know. Um, you know, when the writer has written it, he's finished. Or, well, it's a little different. What, what they tend to do, what's become more, more commonplace now is something called a lettering draft. So. Uh, say at the moment I just wrote a script for a graphic novel I've handed that into the editor and I did this we did this on Deadpool vs. Old Man Logan as well when I get the art back before before I actually give it to the letterer I do another pass over the script so you might find that maybe I might find that there's like too much dialogue in one balloon it's not going to fit with the art so I might like rewrite a scene a little bit just to make it work or maybe I want to move a panel board. I want to move one moment of dialogue to the, you know, to the other side of the page. Little things like that. It basically, it gives you a, it gives you an opportunity to fine tune your draft after seeing the art, rather than if you went back like fifteen years, the lettering would just go down and you wouldn't see it till it, 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 uh, it was in print. Whereas now, because you know you can read PDFs and it's all done digitally, you get, you know, I know a lot of writers like tend to really go deep with rewriting stuff in a lettering draft. I, I think that's kind of taking the piss, but I do think it's good. To, it gives the opportunity to make sure that all the, all the dialogue and all the pacings gelling just right. There's one thing about comics because, because the production is so it's, it's fairly fast. Um, you, you can't agonize over things all day long. You know, a comic should take about from between a month and a month and a half to draw. Um, because there are deadlines so you just have to get it done. And once it's done, you're on to the next issue. So there's a level of which you can get complacent and, and get really, um, you know, just, just, just half-assed pages out, which you never want to get to. But at the same time, you also can't spend, or spend all day long agonizing over if this panel needs to be here or, or a centimeter below. You just kind of have to suck it up and just get it done. And then once it's done, there's another job. you got to move on to the next issue. What is the role that happens or unfolds at a Comic-Con? How important to that in the promotion of your own work, obviously, or the book itself? Like, what's going through your mind when you go to a Comic-Con? Are you trying to get the word out for your next gig? Personally, yeah. Um, well, well it, it depends. It's, it's for some people, it's a place to meet editors and secure, secure uh, future work. For some places, it's a place to make lots of money, like selling artwork or selling prints. 
Um, for me personally, I I go there to meet people who support my work. Um, you know, if they've bought Savage Town, I'm going to sign it for them. If they bought um, Injection, I want to sign their copies. You know, we have a, a hard cover volume of Injection. You know, I'll do a little sketch in there because that thing's 50 quid. So, you know, let me do a little sketch for you because you spent a lot of money on that. For for me, it, I think originally why I started going to shows because it was a way of meeting editors, meeting other creators and networking. Um, and it's great for that. And and it's it's... It's why I've been a, why I've been I've gotten to where I, I am today, but I would say that these days I don't really I'm very fortunate I don't need to network, and I also don't need I'm not looking for jobs because I'm like I'm booked up for the next two years you know so that's not a concern for me thankfully you know so for me it's about especially when you do creator work when you do Marvel stuff I mean you know so if i've worked on venom and i'd say half the people who come up to me to get their venom work signed don't give a shit about me it's just that they're fans of venom and um, that can happen with deadpool too it can happen with any character you don't own if they come up to me with injection or or savage town like like that's something i made and the fact that you spent money buying it means i can pay rent you know so thank you like that that's what i'm trying what i why i go to conventions effectively is to is to just say like i appreciate it you know, have a, like a ten minute chat with somebody, and hopefully, like they'll they'll feel invested enough to come back when I do do the next thing. Are you ready for some less process focused questions, which we like to call a series of seemingly random questions? Go for it. All right. First one you mentioned earlier that injection as a creator, you might have more control over if it was ever to be made into a film. Is that something that? you aspire for is there a chance that we could see one of the comics you've done or one of your books turn into a movie someday well i mean anything's possible um injection has been option for tv but uh i think the options being i think the options up but like w- i think i think we're fine basically effectively with, with the option but whether something gets made a lot of comics get options like some get options straight away whether or not they actually get made is a whole other story so um I mean, but it looks it looks like quite possible it's going to happen, uh, which would be pretty amazing. Um, like even from just like a creator standpoint, if that gets made, you know, you know, I'll make a money per episode. You know, like I'll make money sitting on my arse. <laughs> like, that's that's pretty amazing. Considering how long I, I have to work every single day, knowing that you can directly benefit, you know, that effectively it's it's like a house. You know, I've built a house. And I'm renting it, I guess. <laughs> I'm making money. I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure where my analogy is going there, but um, but like I think it's 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 so important to be doing stuff that that can that is an investment in yourself rather than an investment in another person's IP. I mean, that stuff's fine. Like, and I, I still like drawing superheroes. I'm not I'm not putting it down at all. But I I I do think it's important to also invest in yourself. Um, with the injection stuff, like I don't want to. I don't. There's no point looking into another field that I know nothing about, you know. If a TV show makes people buy more of the comics, then I get to make more comics, if that makes sense. The next question is about cinematography. When you look at a comic book and you look at the panels, a obvious thought is that you are choosing the world around you as though a DP might look around a location and choose how the shot is framed. It can be very similar to how an artist chooses what's in the frame would you say that's an accurate comparison? And do you ever let films inspire how you draw or set up oh, certain definitely. shots? I mean, uh, no, definitely. I think I think um, 
I think uh, a lot of HBO shows, I think, are really um, affected how I like to tell stories. I think when I was talking to Warren about Injection, I was telling like like Six Feet Under is one of my favorite shows. I remember how they would do a lot of a lot of shots where they pull out where you can see the whole environment and characters like very small environment. I do I do that a lot. Um, I do a lot of close up. For me, composition is a big thing. So I wouldn't say I look at cinematography as much as I I, I I got a book on it a while ago actually, meant to bust that open. But um, I kind of see film comparisons happen a lot. And like they're not the same thing, but I would say to me the most accurate comparisons is the writer is the screenwriter producer, and the artist is you know producer, casting director, location scout, um, yeah, DP, you know, like, like all the stuff that you need to do to be able to make it. Um, and I think I think the colorist is the is the is the cinematographer because they'll they'll make decisions that like are out of my out of my control that do affect story, you know, like if a character's angry and everything's red, like no matter how I draw that scene, I'm not coloring it. So I think that they I think that that's how I kind of break it down in my, in my, in my head. Um, but I do, I do, I'm definitely like, I wouldn't say I'm directly looking at film and then aping it, but like, like Scorsese films are a huge influence on me. And, uh, I'd say when we did Moon Knight, a lot of people said it felt like David Fincher was, was like, it looked like David Fincher had directed it, which, I took as a compliment because I'm a big, big Fincher fan as well. And I, it's been something said about, about my work because it has a cinematic, quote-unquote, cinematic feel. And I think it's because of how I break down my, my, my panel compositions. Um, they are a little filmic in some ways, I think. Um, so uh, I, I think not deliberately, like I said, I'm not looking at one thing and trying to draw the comics. But I think it's definitely bled into my subconscious. Next question. If you could choose one learning or insight from your career to pass along to aspiring artists and or artist writers, what would you say? Um, this always sounds trite, but it's like, just make comics, just make them. And I'm sure it applies to like, you know, if you want to write, just write. I, I, I'm, I know that's been said a million times, but no one's just going to say, here's a job drawing comics. You've got to show you can do it. If you want to write them, it's the same thing. You want to color them, it's the same thing. So you, you've just got to do the work. Um, I would say another thing which I think is maybe a little bit more helpful or immediately helpful is um, start small. The amount of times you talk to, like, say, a comic book, somebody who wants to write comics, this idea, they want to find an artist because they have an idea for this 300-page graphic novel. And this, you know, the first thing I say to people, I'm like, how about three pages? Why don't you, do, why don't you write three pages and get somebody to draw that? Or if you're an artist, draw three pages. And it's a small enough task where you can finish a project and go, okay, and you can you can look back at that and be very objective about whether it's good or it's bad. If you take on a massive project, I guarantee you, by the time you're halfway through it, you're going to be jaded, pissed off, frustrated with it, and quit. So you will have spent two years on something that you don't, you didn't even finish. But if you can start small and build, it's like training. It's like if you wanted to be a, an athlete, you don't just run a marathon. You run a series of smaller ones, and you build up a resistance, and, and you build and build and build. So I would say. Start small, hit smaller targets, and let the, let them build up and, and, and build up your endurance. What's next for you? Do you want to plug anything? Do you want to shout out your own handle? Well, I, I'm on the tweeters, uh, Declan Shelby. It's all one word. Same with the, the, uh, the gramming. Uh, I'm down with all the phrases, as you can tell. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't have anything. I do various covers. Like I've, I've got like, like covers out every month, but I'm working on a project that hasn't been announced. 
which is a work for hire project. But um, I mean, injection, there's more injection to come. So if you haven't heard of injection, I definitely highly recommend that. We've three volumes out already. Um, there's Savage Town, which is an Irish crime graphic novel um, set in Ireland with Irish accents. Um, but I'm doing a follow up to Savage Town. That's yeah, going to be announced soon. So I guess I just, I just said that out loud. Um, <laughs> Uh, that'll be on next year, um, and I, I would say probably the project I'm working on will be announced next year. But um, so I've, not, I've nothing coming out immediately. But uh, but I do have a I do have a um, a podcast that I started called Tape Deck, where I, I talk to other creators, writers, artists. Um, yeah, I have a newsletter. You could you could find it on my my Twitter, where I just talk about I talk about what I'm working on, like would be it writing or drawing, or I show a lot of process work as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I do that every two weeks as well. So you can subscribe to that if you like. Last question. Drum roll, please. Harry, could you please hand me the envelope? I'm opening the envelope because you can't see it. I'm so excited. Did you have fun today? Did I have fun today? Did I have fun today doing this? Yes. Yes, I did. Definitely. Amazing. Well, we really appreciate you, man. I hope so it was I... interesting. Oh, it was totally. Interesting point of view that's different to the other people you've had on. Definitely our first take from an artist's perspective and a writer's perspective. So. Really appreciate it, and I know that our listeners will enjoy it as well. So thank you, man, again, for your time. Well, thank you. All right, thanks, Declan, and thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.